Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 316. Oh, that should have some Stone Cold jokes, right? Yeah, I, I had some ready. So you just said 316. I should have had some Stone Cold jokes, right? I just, that 316 says, I just read your books. Doesn't sound as badass as I just whipped your ass, but you no. Know. But I mean, it's me saying it, so was it going to be badass ever? No. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I have Peter joined as always by Matt. Hey, what's up? Connor is it's... once again absent. What? Uh, Matt and Connor may be the same person though, because I've not seen them yeah. together in quite some time. Hey, two weeks ago we were. Right? Yeah. Because I, I, yeah, I started not off during his Patreon reads. Oh, he was, uh, he was back for two weeks. Sorry, I thought he was just back for last week. You're right, you're right. He was here two weeks yeah, in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. That's just my memory uh, and my decrepit old age of 33 uh, striking. <laughs> so, yeah, so as a DC Comics podcast, we get together, we've talked about the DC books we read uh, during the week. And coming up on this week's show, we have Detective Comics 1062, which is the start of a new run. We got Action Comics 1045, Robin issue 16, The Swamp Thing issue 15, Task Force Z issue 10, DC Mech issue 1, I read Batman 1 Dark Knight issue 3, and Matt read Superman Space Age issue 1, so... Yeah, yeah well, well, you read Mech, I did not read Mech. So. Oh, true, yeah, okay. Yes. Um, so. time, time is a real thing. Yes, so. I, I will talk about Mech, yeah. but... Um, <sighs> Yeah, so a lot of books this week. Uh, I, I was hoping to get a Patreon book in this week, but I'll just I'll do them next week. It's fine. <laughs> there was, it was a bigger week for books. I would have liked to check out Superman, but it was an 80-page book, and I already had like a 50-page book on top of yeah. you know, and, a, a reasonable and, size list. And not, 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 this is not a, a slight at all, but it's, it's every page of an 80-page. It's prestige. There's no mm. ads. There's no, you know, introduction that starts off, and it's 80 pages of content. So, yeah, the buy label books are like that as well, I think, right? Like, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I read them digitally, so I, I don't even know what books yep. have ads anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that's what's coming out of the show. Uh, there's, there's one item in news as well. I'm sure there'll be some banter. I, I didn't, my, my, my wasn't here last week, so I'm sure we'll, we'll faff about for a bit. Uh, but, uh, of course, we will get started because there's always time for a comicsology top 10. You've missed that, Matt, haven't you? You missed it. I didn't. I didn't. You didn't get it last week, and you're just like, oh, if I, salivating. If I agreed, it'd be a lie, and I try not to lie. Mm, top 10. Mm, so good. So good. I'm Matt. I like barbecue and top 10s. Mm, 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 mm. Half of that is true. <laughs> Half of that is true. Barbecue rules. Um, um, I just picked a random th- food thing. It's not that you specifically... Well, said you like barbecue i just assumed you, you did you could have said anything short of seafood and i would have <laughs> reacted the same <laughs> but yeah comic solid to top 10 for the week uh just this is what's right now ranking in the top 10 in comicsology which is obviously part of amazon now uh so any guess as to what number one is it's gonna be a batman book or a spider-man book tell me i'm, I'm right or wrong uh you're right it is one of those two things Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Detective Comics 1062. It is not Detective Comics. Damn, I went so the wrong one. What you didn't realize is that Amazing Spider-Man issue 6 also happens to be technically issue 900, uh, ah, legacy-wise. There it is. I, I see it now yeah. on the cover. So, And it's $10, uh, uh, so mm. I should have looked at that too. Yeah, so it's a big special oh. <coughs> milestone issue. Uh, even though some of Marvel's numbering is a bit dodgy with some of these things. 
Yeah. But uh, obviously that's why it's... You know, I mean, I mean Spider-Man usually does well anyway, but that's why it's specifically yeah. number one this week. Uh, number two is Detective Comics, 1062. Yes. Uh, MV selling Albuquerque, helping with that. Number three has is surprising to me. Oh, yeah? Surprising in that it's a DC or a non-DC? It is a DC book. Is it Action Comics? It's not Action Comics. Damn. It's surprising it? because it's Superman Space Age. Hey, there you go, Mark Russell. I I did not see that coming. Yeah. I guess it's doing well, apparently. Uh, the, good, the good news is that number four is Action Comics. There uh, you go. And then number five is Robin. So DC have four out of the five, of the top five. That is very good. And only one of them's a bat book. So, that well, is... if you count Robin. Yeah, I don't, at this point, I don't count. I mean, it's weird. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard to say if you should count that or not. It's a bat family, obviously, but is it yeah. a bat man book? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, then you got Strange issue four at number six. Is that a Doctor Strange? Yeah, it is. It's Marvel. Yeah. It is. I think he's dead, and now this is his wife from another dimension as the Sorceress Supreme. God, comic books are stupid sometimes. Slight <laughs> like numbers. Uh, Ant Man issue one. This is a four issue mini. Uh, number seven here. I almost picked this up just based off of the cover. And then uh, it's Al Ewing, which you know, yeah, Immortal Hulk's fantastic. So, yep. Yep. uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, uh, been as opposed to trying it, but it feels like that you know, 60s era mm. Avengers. Uh, and yeah, but I, I put it back, yeah, only only uh, four issues, but it does have that 60 years logo on it, same with Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of 60th anniversary Marvel yeah. stuff, I think. There's a lot, so, this is a this miniseries is likely part of that line and just doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's Al Ewing, Tom Riley, and it is a flashback to Hank Pym. So that's mm. why it's got that, you know. Cool, um, cool. Vibe, yeah. Uh, I'll have to get Marvel Unlimited again at some point. I've not touched the Marvel book in quite some time. Me too. Uh, the Variants issue two uh, is number eight. It's a Gil Simone Marvel book uh, with uh, yeah. Jessica Jones. Very cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine is Gambit issue one of five. <laughs> Uh, Pete, how many issues of those did you get? <laughs> oh, I got all the variants of this one. Yeah. Oh, I can't, can't, can't get enough of Gambit, man. Oh my god, it's Chris Claremont writing. So it's like legit Gambit. Like, oh. He's the one that created him. So. I mean, he probably created a lot of X-Men. That, yeah. You know, obviously not the original six or whatever, but like no. a lot of the ones that get introduced in the 70s, 70s and 80s. 80s. Yep. Uh, and then number 10 is Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi issue 3. Uh, and I almost vomited a little in my mouth as I said that. But No, that cover's great too. Yeah. Right before Order 66. Got mm. Cody there. Nice. Obi-Wan looking distinguished. Uh, so DC took four of the top five uh, and also four of the top ten in total because they had nothing in the back half. But DC did commit number 11, 12, and 13 with Task Force Z, Batman Fortress, and One Dark Knight all, uh, you know, back-to-back there. So, uh, that's neat. Uh, worth mentioning, the Supergirl Wound of Tomorrow collection, digitally, is number 20 on the chart right now, which is pretty good, given it's mixed in all the single issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually higher than the new issue of Swamp Thing, sadly, which I wish was doing better, but... <laughs> yeah, well, it's towards the end, too. People might be waiting, you know. Hmm for it um real quick about about gambit if you had to guess what year he debuted what would you guess oh i'd guess like 81 1990 
Oh, it's about Lair. Okay. Yeah, really. Uh, and if you had to guess the created by, it's Claremont as the writer, but you know the artist who gets credit. Think think 90s X-Men. Jim Lee. It is Jim Lee. The, the publisher of DC Comics. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that was before he became a... Well, it's before Image, it's before Wildcats, Wildstorm, yeah. all that stuff. But I had no idea. I thought Gambit, Gambit just feels like a 70s, you know, all-new X-Men vibe, you know? Not 90. Man, so he was only around a couple of years before the cartoon dropped, and he was a pretty big part of that cartoon. Yeah, and shout-out to Turtles. The, the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, right. issue 131, came out this week. That's still going strong. I'm, I'm pleased that that just keeps Shoot. going. One day I will go and read from where I left. I read like the first 50-something issues, and it was is great. That, is that the one where there was a death of one of the, the brothers? I mean, that didn't happen. That happens like issue 100, I think. But yeah, eventually okay. that happens. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's that's that same series. Yeah. Uh, okay. Although I think, I'm, I'm sure they came back. <laughs> yeah, got, well, yeah. I've got it's a sneaking suspicion they came back. Um, but uh, there's a fifth turtle now, the, 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 the girl turtle they introduced at some point. Is, is, is it Venus? I assume so. From the, from the TV show? I assume it is, but, uh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, see, I've not read it in past, like, issue 58 or yeah. whatever I got to. Well, there's always been a fluctuating number of turtles, considering, you know, Slash, if you're counting him, right? So, there's always a fifth turtle. He had the lady one. So. I would say there's always a fifth. I'd say, by and large, they're usually just four. Well, I know that, but Slash always kind of hanging around, too. And depending on him, he kind of jumps back and forth. Mm. If he's a good guy or a bad guy. I don't know. It's been a while since I've read Turtles. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have a friend that anytime something happens with turtles, it's the greatest thing that ever happens. So I try to put it out. It's it's turtles and Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I just, I can't. Uh, I mean, turtles is better than Star Wars, so, you know. That's, that's, I don't I won't go that far. I like them both. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, so we do have one bit of news this week uh, to to talk about, uh, and that is that in November, which we've not had solicits for yet, I don't think, I think we just got like October last week, uh, they're doing a 80-page one-shot anthology book celebrating uh, the death of Superman. That's a weird way of phrasing that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman in November, and they're I getting... almost said something really bad, and I don't want to bring that hive upon us, so I'll keep it to myself. Uh, probably wise, probably wise. Yes. Uh, but they're bringing back uh, basically all the original creatives who were working on the Superman books at the time. So Dan Jurgens, uh, Brett Breeding, Roger Stern, uh, Bruce Goose, uh, Louise Simonson, uh, John Bogdanov, and Jerry Ordway and Tom Grummet are all going to be here for the stories that are in this this anthology. So that's pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. Effectively, this is like one of those like anniversary issues, but it's just it's themed about the anniversary. It's the anniversary of a specific story mm-hmm. that they're celebrating rather than um anything else so now there's actually a little synopsis for each of the stories here but i'll, I'll just tell you so the life of superman is jurgens doing writing and art with breeding also in art uh, mm-hmm. and then you've got uh, standing guard which is by stern uh, with uh butch on art and then you got time by simonson writing with bogdanov on art and then Above and Beyond by Ordway and Grummet. So, uh, so four stories, eight-page book. Uh, and it, basically all the stories are going to be just sort of about the impact of the death of Superman and, and how it still felt in some ways. So I, one of the stories has John in it, so it's kind of going to be him looking back on the death of his That's father. Cool. Stuff like that. 
Jurgens probably handling that one, considering Jurgens is kind of introduced Possibly. John. Uh, yeah, yeah, young John Kent learns in school that his father died years earlier in a battle with Doomsday. Uh, I shouldn't be laughing at that, but just the, the concept. Uh, Wait, Dad, you died? Yeah. <laughs> Technically, I got better, how though. Are, how are you here right now? <laughs> uh, I wasn't really dead. I was in a Kryptonian coma state and uh, absorbed enough solar radiation. I came back with a mullet. Yeah. Uh, standing guard, the stern one, is uh, the, the, the doomsday battle from the perspective of the Guardians. That should be cool. Yeah. Uh, and then similar time is uh, like Steel's perspective of the event. Uh, above and beyond is Man Pa Kent watching their son fight Doomsday on TV. Oh, that one may quite, be quite emotional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there a Lois story? Uh, she was right there. Doesn't seem to. Yeah, but that's the point, though, is that she's in the main yeah. story. So. No, I know that, but just her perspective and her, you know, I don't know. I really, this is more focused on characters who didn't get as much focus at the time. Uh, I mean, but uh, that's true. Because Steel came after. That was Rain and Superman. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like a fun idea for a one-shot. You know, hopefully the stories are good. Uh, it's, this is definitely one that I feel like I'm more inclined to make time for versus some of the other ones because it does feel a bit more yeah. focused. Not, not that the other ones don't matter, but those largely feel like just one-off stories that might get collected in a special one day, mm. right? This feels like a, like you said, it's weird to say, a celebration of the death of Superman, where it's it's actually adding to the event. Uh, yeah, so, in a weird way, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to, to like, this special. Like we get to the point when it starts to get to, like, the, the 40th of Crisis, and they do one like that, uh, it would feel dissimilar. Hmm. Probably, they probably will. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. I was, I was doing so, the math. It's so, coming up. It's only a few years. Yeah, uh, it's the twenty twenty five will be the the fortieth anniversary. So, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they they do something like that. Um. But yeah, it, it's just that sort of time period. Well, where you know, thankfully, all these creators are still around and able to make content. Yeah. Uh, but you have to imagine that once you get to fortieth anniversary, fiftieth anniversary, that's going to be less likely. Uh, the further you go, so maybe this is the the time to strike and, and do something with all those people again. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you still can. Uh, so, uh, cool. Um, there you go. That's 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 the news. And what's what's bizarre is that Comic Con happened last weekend, and like very little came out of it that was worth yeah. talking about. Uh, like the DC or the Warner Brothers panel. Uh, yeah. from all reports, seems to have been hastily thrown together just to have one and. All the- shocked. I'm shocked to tell you. <laughs> and obviously then talk about Flash because they were not bringing up Ezra Miller. <laughs> Again, like, shocked. Right? Shocked, I tell so, you. So you had Black Adam, you had a bit of Shazam too, I think, and maybe some Aquaman? I, I don't know. Mm. Like, I don't know how much they had of any of that stuff. Said, uh, I'm very excited for Shazam 2. I'm not... I'm not over the moon like I was for, for the first Shazam. Like, I'm sure it'll be good, but it seems like... Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods is a movie I do want to see. It's not one where I feel like I'm going to have to see it. Like Black Adam. I feel, as much as I like Dwayne, the more I see of that movie, the more I'm feeling obligated as a DC fan to go see it. Um, But Shazam felt that trailer that came out 
it seems very much the same vibes as the first, so which yeah. I, I enjoyed. So, um, but yeah, lots of salty people because apparently Cavill was spotted in San Diego, which is probably not true, and so it whipped up the rumors. Know, yeah, yeah. That that and uh, to that person that looks like Henry Cavill, congratulations, you're a handsome, <laughs> handsome man. But maybe stay out of San Diego around. Uh, Comic Con. It's so funny. I saw a tweet screen capping um, articles from Screen Rant, and the first one was rumors point to Henry Cavill appearing at the Warner Brothers panel at Comic Con to announce a mm-hmm. Superman project. And then the next one was Henry Cavill did not appear at Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third one was fans disappointed because Henry Cavill did not appear. And I'm like, whose fault is that, Screen yeah. Rant? <laughs> whose fault yeah. is that? Definitely. Um, yeah, no, that. that trailer that came out i'm trying to think what else what else did i watch from dc i think that was just it uh, I, I tracked down all the marvel stuff being that that tends to be more newsworthy they dropped a lot of information a lot that i'm just looking at going oh my god we're still doing this uh did you see nope it's not here yet oh i didn't damn damn it it's not here for another couple weeks I, no one i've known has seen it that i can talk to about it because every time i'm around someone that's seen it there's people around us that haven't seen it I don't want to spoil things. Yeah, it's not here till so that'll tend to the twelfth August. It's uh Damn. Well, a few weeks. Well, dodge with spoilers because people people don't know how. You know. But damn. We need to talk about it. I'm looking forward to it. We're gonna do it in the yep. Atomic Cinema Experiment or Sci-Fi Movie yep. Podcast. If you didn't know that existed, uh go check it out on Mail Fuzz Movies or your local oh, podcast feed. I started watching the boys again. I had a, I had to rewatch episode five of season two. Because I forgot everything that was going on, which led me right back into the thing that made me stop watching. But wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna power through. What's the thing? Oh, when, when, when when Stormfront and Homelander. Uh, oh, that plot's about... great. <laughs> no, no, no. The plot's fine. Just thinking about the ramifications and what that says <laughs> about the world was a bummer. Because I watched it back when it first came out when things weren't so good. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm continuing on. So. <laughs> Um, what, what else did I watch real quick? Uh, going to my movie list. Eh, just the gray man, which is which is fun. Um, did you see There's Someone Inside Your House, Pete? No. It's a, a Netflix slasher movie? No. It's, it's interesting. Um, definitely feels like a Netflix movie, but it's from the director of Creep. The Duplass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is so a good it, movie, so. Yeah. Um, the story on this one kind of, when you, the more you think about it, the more it starts to fall apart. But some of the slashing set pieces are really, really well done. So, um, uh, yeah, we watched we watch that. It's pretty good. In terms of potentially more interesting comic book media, Paper Girls just launched on Amazon mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, uh, the, the, the time of recording. Yeah. Um, watch the first episode. Uh, it feels a bit cheap, you know, compared to some other things, but yeah. the, the the girls' the chemistry and like the overall like sort of vibe and the kind of feel of it is pretty good in episode one so far. So I mean, I can't really vouch for the whole thing or anything, but uh, uh, I would uh, I would say give it a try if you if you if you've got access. Um, who's who's show running in that? Is it anyone of note? I, I don't know. I haven't. I, if it is someone of note, I forgot I've forgotten who it is, but uh. Look. Um, because uh, I remember I read the first 
three or four issues back when they came out. Mm. And it was really good stuff. Um, shocking, right? Frankie Vaughn and yeah, uh, um, and the first episode but, relatively faithful. From what I, I mean, it's been a while, but from what I remember for those first few issues, yeah, the first episode is pretty faithful to stuff. Yeah, it was weird because it was very. I remember watching Stranger Things after reading Paper Girls, and it was getting the same tone mm. from from that. Um, so I might have to check this out when I get caught up from because uh, there's just one episode that dropped, or was it multiple? Multiple, so all eight episodes of the season. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought Amazon was on a weekly. They've been kind of going back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah, they've not really like settled on doing it for everything yet, but they've gotcha. been doing weekly for some shows. They've been binge for some others. Uh, I prefer weekly, so I would more than happily have them yeah. go full weekly. If or I mean, it forces writers for a start to not just treat it as ah, they'll just binge watch. We don't have to like worry about structuring the episodes properly yeah. to have hooks or anything like that. So. That's good. Yeah, there's uh, eight, and I can't find it. Is it Stephanie Folsom? Oh, okay. Screenwriter of Toy Story 4 and Thor Ragnarok, I think. Hmm? And, yeah, showrunner. There's, there's Also working on the Lord of the Rings show, which people are excited for. Uh, uh, people not, not being me. So uh, th- Definitely not being me either. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll check out Paper Girls. Well, that's all there. As I'm, I'm having a hangover from from Stranger Things. I really enjoyed that season, and I feel I feel empty. I need something. Oh yeah, season was so good. To that well, tone. well, right. Well, I've I've got the final episodes of Better Call Saul right now, so I, I, I yeah. my good TV quote is happily being fulfilled. How how many how many episodes are left? There is three episodes left. Okay, well then I am three episodes away from of. of Doing the final two seasons. <laughs> you may as well start now. Like, by the time you're caught up, those last three will be no, done. No, I know. But I, I, I'm also doing the boys one thing at a oh, time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. With all, plus with all the wrestling I watch right now, between Ring of Honor and and AEW, it's it's a tight, it's a tight weave. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've also been working through a season one of Yellow Jackets, which is uh. I saw. I saw, the, I saw your review pop up. Mm. Uh, so, which they, they put the first episode up on Paramount and then they wanted me to subscribe to watch the rest. I said, no, sir. Uh, I, I'm not going to watch your one episode. So then I have to subscribe. What's that on? Showtime? Uh, Showtime, yeah. So, I'm not here for your, for your dirty tricks. I'm sure it's Sure, it's good though. I've heard nothing but good things. I mean, you said that. Giving you the first episode for free so that you might know if you want to see the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, does, does that mean? Drug dealers. That's not dirty. That's that's. That's like you don't have to pay just to try the first episode. We'll give you the first one for free, right. and then you know you like it, so you don't feel bad about paying for a month of the service. That's not right. dirty. I don't know, man. Again, drug dealers give you the first hit free, and then they got you hooked. And I don't think the same logic necessarily applies to uh, media. I, I think it does. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh boy some really wonky logic going on here but uh yeah sure <laughs> alright uh, me wonky logic no yes Never. you wonky logic alright let's talk about comics shall we let's just get into things uh, Detective Comics 1062 Ram V rating Raphael Albuquerque on the arts this is the start of the new run on Detective yep um 
We get a lot of new concepts kind of introduced here, some new characters. Uh, well, as far as I know, they're new characters. I don't yeah. recognize any of these new, new people. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a new tone. We've got a new sort of plot threads being established and things like that. Uh, and obviously, Ram V is someone we've liked on other books recently. So super excited to see uh, how it would uh, how it would shape up. So yeah, I mean, first days first. Albuquerque's art is exceptional. Yeah. I mean, this does really. You know, Ram V is one of these writers that gets all the great artists, right? And it's, it's Tom King, Ram V, Tom Taylor. Yeah, so... I mean, the, the whole thing opens in like a, a you know an opera or theater production of, and it's there's this giant bat and. There's an empty chair that's reserved for Bruce Wayne, but he's not there, of course. Uh, I'll be honest. I got a little. I got a little worried when they start talking about pearls. <laughs> got a little, little, and then I was like, "Oh, it's it's the opera." Okay. Yeah, it's just the opera. And then, and then the bat creature comes up behind him. Like, oh, okay, I know what's going on here. Well, yeah. I mean, later on, Batman has a dream about this bat creature, and yep. like the, the the word Barbatos is thrown around again. But I heard that in a little uh, bit. No. So. Oh. But I trust. See, and this is one of those things that if it was another writer. I would get a little bit like oh, we're running this bad, but Ram V has built a trust that when he's when you come up with these larger concepts that have a, like a, an overarching theme, I trust him to stick the landing, you know. So I saw Barbatos, and at first I was like, oh, that was another thing. It's like seeing the pearl, going like, I thought we were done with Barbatos, but I think if, if he starts to tie this into the legacy of Batman and what all this means in an operatic sense. I love how you say it. You say it as if you're talking about someone named Barbara Toes. No, Barbatos. 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 I'm going to say it wrong now because you're trying to correct me. I don't know if I'm right. That's just how I'm reading that. I don't know if that's technically right. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Batman, we cut to him dealing with some thugs who are robbing or smuggling some some items. And he ends up fighting with someone who looks like Bruno Maroney, but turns out to actually be some kind of shape-shifting monster. Uh, like, a, like, a, like a golem type, like... Yeah, he's oozing green from his mouth, he's got red eyes, yeah. the whole thing. Kind of like... Not like a zombie, but kind of zombie features, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so, he's actually in a bit of trouble, and then there's a, like a, a, bog, like a bolt goes through the, the thing's head, and it's Talia from a distance, and Batman chases after her, says, you don't kill things in my city... And she's like, I thought it was only humans, and that thing is not human. And then, you know, the monster pops up again. He's not dead. Like, yeah. that didn't kill him. Yeah. So, yeah. But she's like, no, I'm, ca- I'm here to warn you, Bruce. They're coming, and you're not prepared. So it's like setting up the, the whatever the threat's going to be. It's, what, it's a big deal. Yeah, one of the things here, though, is that uh, Bruce is feeling a little bit sluggish, and he's concerned that maybe there's something wrong with him because he's not yeah. operating at full capacity. So he starts doing a lot of tests in, in his lab to sort of you know, give himself a physical, see how he is. And he calls Dick and he's he's asking him about uh you know the various things. But uh Dick's like, Hey, why are you doing all these tests? Is something wrong? Uh he's like, Yeah, I was three seconds off tonight. Something's not quite right. I'm just making sure those I'm plugging any holes that need to be filled. And Dick's just like, Are you sure you're not just starting to get a little old Bruce? <laughs> like maybe that's all this is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and Bruce took that personally. He did, yes. Yeah. Uh so he starts talking about the artifacts that these guys were smuggling, and one of them is this cube. And immediately I was getting like Hellraiser vibes, and then Bruce looked at it and started saying, oh, there's like a mechanism inside. I'm like, it's the goddamn Lament configuration, Bruce. Do not touch it. <laughs> so I, I've never seen these, but I, I thought the same thing. I know the puzzle box, right? Like, 
uh, yeah, I was like, oh no, Ram V, what are you doing? And there's a bat creature, uh, and mm-hmm. you're not ready for them. I was like, oh no, we are getting uh, Cenobite stuff here. Mm. <clears throat> Cenobites, Matt. Cenobites. Cenobites. I haven't uh, seen the movie. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm going to pronounce it how I pronounce it. You're you're pronouncing it like xenomorph. You're saying xenobites. xenobites. No, xenobites. Yeah. C- how do you how do you spell it? It's C E N O B I right? I think so. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a word I write down very often, but yeah, it's something like that. Xenobites. I, I, I find that hard to believe, Pete. I'm sure you don't you, you don't have a, a puzzle box there. <laughs> nah, Tim's got one. Tim Tim's whipped his uh, out uh at a few episodes of Screams. <laughs> To clarify the puzzle box, you can't just pick that up and say Tim whipped it out. Yeah, I, I, I just did, and I can. Oh, jeez. But yeah, no. Um, I, I like seeing Dick Grayson pop up. Like, it's, it's great to see Nightwing. Like, I love when when Detective has a, it's not just Bruce, right? Like, it feels like there's a larger, not just a larger cast, but it it ties Bruce to, to people. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Um, cause even when, when it was Talia and I, it was, you just see the arrow go through, I was thinking it was Huntress cause she's had a pretty big part in tech, you know, during Tamaki's run. Um, so I was thinking, oh, maybe it, it's her and the fact that it was a Maroni, but it being Talia was a nice surprise too. Yeah. Ram so. V strikes me as a writer who appreciates the, the family and like the, mm-hmm. you know, the wider characters, yeah. characters. Uh, Bruce can't figure out where this, you know, these artifacts came from. Like, you know, they, they seem old and valuable, but he, he can't quite, you know, they're not from Egypt, they're not from, you know, anywhere else that mm-hmm. one might assume an artifact would be from. And then we cut to these new characters uh, in the Orgum, Orgum Palace in Zvastral. And we're introduced to this character, uh, Arzen, along with his mother, and his mother's sending him to Gotham, and his brother is already in Gotham preparing for their arrival. Uh, but he's bringing his two cronies, which is this guy with a big classical kind of beard and <laughs> this woman. Yeah. Uh, so obviously they feel very villainous, and this is clearly setting up who these new villains are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Mr. Gale, who's the, the brother, and he, like wipes out this set of gangsters who were they were they were the ones having their men like import these artifacts for them and uh because they failed and because batman took them uh gale and his men kill all of them and some of them are they've got like, cloaks on and they've got knives so they look kind of like think ghost face without the ghost face mask you know like, like yeah <clears throat> very cultish yeah uh so we're, we're getting kind of like a, a cult horror type of villain uh coming after uh, Gotham, and they want to, you know, save Gotham from itself. Which is, I mean, that I, that part of it's not very original. Like, all well, it's a villain's. Yeah, I mean, and, and the fact that Talia knows, like, she's kind of familiar with this group, and she was trying to warn Bruce without stopping them. I think that's key too, right? Because that, that's very yeah. trying to save Gotham from itself is very Ra's al Ghul. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's completely original, but I do think that they have a, a, some interesting vibes and looks so far, so I'm curious to see, yeah. you know, where the story goes with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get Bruce having his nightmare where uh, Barbatus's arm comes out of his chest and then it holds him. It's this gorgeous, like, red page of Barbatus holding Bruce all kind of vulnerable uh, and talking about <laughs> Barbatus, uh, you know, being in the dark and, you know, listen to the bell that tolls my name, blah, blah, blah. Who would have thought that that Albuquerque is so good at drawing bat creatures? Oh yeah, shocked. 
credit for that a million years. Uh, and then he wakes up to the sound of music, and not not the movie, the sound of music, just the, yeah. the, the literal sound of music. <laughs> He's trying to figure out that Maria problem. Yeah, uh, and it turns out the box uh, is a music box, and there's like music mm-hmm. playing out of it, uh, and that's the cliffhanger for the the main story. Uh, and all I'm thinking is like, uh, at some point, Pinhead's going to pop out the box. You opened it. We came. Yeah. So. Uh, I do not expect this will be the last time I make some Hellraiser jokes in relation to this plot. As long as this um, box keeps popping up. Yeah, there's there's also with the cultists and, and kind of that whole thing. There's also some Lovecraft vibe going on. And I don't know if that's just because I just watched Mouth of Madness a couple weeks ago. Um, and just this whole idea of Bruce not feeling 100%. Right? Mm. Like, he's he's feeling a bit off. Um it just feels like not not necessarily a madness, right? But just like he's he's not himself, um, and and he's here that. But yeah, I wouldn't pass it, Ramby, of doing something along those lines with some cosmicy horror. Because like, what is Barbatos? Um, Barbatos. I'm gonna start to stress the bat in his name, um, being a giant bat monster. Um, mm-hmm. but but a cosmic horror concept, right? Yeah, I um, um like the the whole idea of the opera and stuff, like. That was something Connor was salivating over. It's not something that necessarily in- yeah. appeals to me at face value, but no. I will say that this first issue has a lot of good, like, atmosphere and a lot of good sort of vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, being in the city at night, these types of locations, these types of characters with the murders yeah. and, like, the cultists. Like, there's definitely some nice vibes to this that I, I kind yeah. of appreciate. And I wasn't really doubting that, because Ram has been, you know, really scratched that itch typically in most of his books that he's done so I've, far for me. So. Yeah, I have yet to read a book where with Ram V, I was like, nope, I didn't connect to this. Like, even if it's something like with the opera, I don't understand opera whatsoever, right? But the fact that it's Ram V doing a Gotham opera, as it was kind of put in the solicits, that's something I'm curious about. Uh, and then just here with him, with, with Bruce at the start, not feeling right, you know, just just from there. It's it's off and running, but yeah. Yeah, uh, and then the backup's a, a garden story. Uh, mm-hmm. This is kind of like, he's back in Gotham and he's struggling with being useless because he's kind of retired now. He doesn't really, you know, he, he wants mm-hmm. to be active. And lo and behold, this corrupt cop shows up with a prostitute uh, and is bas- basically throws her at him. And it turns out that the reason why he's done this is because this was a cop that Gordon tried to put away a long time ago for his corruption. Mm-hmm. And this prostitute, her sons went missing, and she tried to go to the police for help, and because she kept showing up, they're just sort of, you know, showing her off to Gordon. Ah, oh, he can help her, kind of thing. He's a good, he's a do-gooder, we don't care. And it's this idea that it gives Gordon some purpose again, so he has something to, like, care about, and, like, you know, be, you know, be Gordon, go and help people. So, sure enough, he starts investigating, and it leads him to arkham where a lot of uh, junkies and homeless people yeah. are using now because it's you know it's been left abandoned ever since yeah it... the, the remnants of a, um also uh, did you talk about in the main story that the people that are coming for gotham are also they're, they're claiming the arkham name oh i didn't mention that no you're right yeah so uh that's how i figure this this is tying in is they're coming back to put the, the you know to restore the name of Go- uh of arkham in gotham and to save gotham from itself so the fact that gordon ends up in this you know the remnant of Arkham Asylum, uh, where which has become you know a haven for junkies and and lost souls. Yeah, uh, they have to be tied together. At least I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Eduardo Arkham is the is the name that's yeah. on the scroll they've got when they're talking. Yeah, yeah. In the main story. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No. Like this is the sort of thing where uh, 
uh, this was a new backup, so I was like, oh, am I going to read this? And I was like, oh, it's a Gordon story. Let me mm-hmm. uh, read this. So this is uh, Simon Spurrier and Danny mm-hmm. on art uh, for this story. Yeah. Uh, and the end of the, the, the story is that when Gordon ends up finding a bunch of dead bodies, he follows the tracks of whoever may have done it. Mm-hmm. And it seems that he finds this woman's son, but the woman's son is naked and might be the one who killed them all. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, like, we're in, you know, to use a, you just mentioned Mouth of Madness, it feels like he's in yeah. the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better term. So, because uh, he, he's eating a rat, so he's, you know, he's, he's a bit unhinged. He's got like a, yeah. a big tattoo. I mean, on his back. to be fair, he did, go to, he did go to Arkham. That's where people like that end up. So, no, he's he, not he didn't, run. He didn't go there as a patient, though. He went there after it was already like, yeah, like, I know, abandoned. Yeah, but he still, he still knew to go there. <laughs> you know? Uh, I my big problem with this story was the I do like the art Danny's art it, it sticks out you know it it's their art when he's the dialogue was so weird for Gordon because I know Gordon's a retired detective but this felt like pulpy kind of wannabe Sam Spade mm. and that's not Gordon to me right like he's not that person that when he when he thinks he thinks like a hard-boiled detective. So, but I, I know that's what Sysbury was going for. I just don't think it landed. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I just accepted it as like, oh, this is kind of what he's becoming now that he's, he's not on the force anymore mm-hmm. and he's alone. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's like a little montage at one point where he talks to like uh, Babs and like Montoya for a job and they basically, Montoya's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, do they want a clean slate and none of the old force and, Barbara's like, just enjoy retirement. Go and play mm-hmm. golf or something. Uh, and who who recommends he go and work for the mob? That was in, oh, that it's, was the, another... it's, the, it's the bartender that he's... That's, that's right. Yeah. I could set you up, and I was like, that's one thing Gordon will never do. He's the, he's the clean cop, right? I'm yeah. Like... So, yeah. No. Uh, a job, I should detective. Uh, what are you giving uh, the book? Yeah, so uh, are, we, are we breaking up the stories or just as a whole? I can break them up, I. Alright, so so the main story I'm gonna give an eight point five. Uh the backup I'm gonna give a seven, and so I'll give the whole thing an eight. Yeah, um I think the main story for me, I'll just go straight eight. I think the the big monster that he fights in that big fight scene is it's fine and it's fun, but it's yeah. it's a little bit generic, you know, it's, it's not yeah, it, it doesn't quite have the tone and the atmosphere that some of the other scenes in the book do. So I think it maybe drags it down a little bit into just sort of more normal territory. Uh and then the backup uh I'll yeah I'll go I'll, go, I'll probably go to seven point five. I think the the art especially gives it this kind of mm-hmm. D- Danny's art's got this good sort of like obscure but grimy vibe to, like yeah. to 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 Gotham uh, that I I kind of dig. So yeah, it felt in line with that Arkham book that we were reading, um, yeah, Dan yeah. Waters one. So yeah, it felt like they were in the same neck of the woods, which was nice. Yeah, so uh, good stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's Detective Comics 1062. Action Comics 1045, Philip K. Johnson writing with Brent Peoples and Will Conrad on the art. So we have two artists, and there is mm-hmm. kind of an awkward transition between them yeah. uh, whenever it does swap, because they are very different. Um, obviously, it not being Federici is a bit of a shame. Uh, that's what you were always hoping for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this issue you know the the plot and this 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 fight between mongol and superman and everyone else is is really underway and uh very early on it sets up that mongol's got you know omak it's got a corrupted version of uh 
uh, Light Ray and mm-hmm. um, Apollo. And Apollo, one. yeah. yeah. The, so, the unmade versions yeah. of them. Yeah, so, so yeah. they're all fighting on behalf of Mongol and wiping the floor with a bunch of the war zones, and uh, you know it's just creating a lot of turmoil. And this issue, I think, really kind of sums up into the formation of three different plots that they're they're kind of like because they're they're debating what they should do next, and they agree that mm-hmm. they should split up and do all of them. Which is, so one of them is that they're going to it's Natasha uh, along with Orphan. Are going to repurpose one of the red sun like sort of engines that are on mm-hmm. the the war world, uh, based on, and this is actually like a, this is more elaborated on the backup, but we get more backstory for it. Uh, I, which, I love that. Yeah, I did love that. So, but it's basically they can convert it to effectively a yellow sun. They don't say yellow sun, but that's what it sounds no. like. So, so what they realize is that the the um, Genesis energy, the radiation will make the Philosians and Superman, you know, it it messes with them. So what they can do is they can reverse the engine and then focus that Genesis energy, and it's like a yellow sun. Uh, And it can give them basically all the strengths without any of the radiation. Um, And then once once they can do that, they'll have Superman and and an army of other Superman. Yeah, the Philosians all have powers potential as well. You know, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, stand guard against Mongols. So... and again, it's not about defeating Mongol, right? It's about making a statement. Yeah. <clears throat> so you got Midnighter, uh, Manchester Black, and some of the others are going to go and try and like revert the the other teammates who have been you mm-hmm. know turned and corrupted and unmade, yeah. and try and figure out a way to bring them back. So that's their mission. And then Superman's going to go with Carlux, the uh, Philogian mm-hmm. dude. Uh, to go and try and deal with the the Olgrun like myth that's you know in the yeah, the necropolis the, right the fire of Olgrun yeah so they're going to go and try and deal with that because that's what Mongol's looking for Mongol wants that because it'll mm-hmm. basically turn him into a god and they can't let that happen so yep. Superman agrees to go and try and find it not because he really wants it for himself but just to keep it away from Mongol more than anything mm-hmm. uh, so that sets up the, these sort of three key goals uh, so this is like proper. Like you know, it does kind of feel like we're building up to the end game of the, of this now, and it's mm-hmm. like this is everything's going down, um, and when we see some of this stuff play out, some of the visuals, you know, like they are as as unfortunately quite stilty because it's swapping back and forth, and uh, yeah, one of the artists in particular, and I'm, I'm probably well, Conrad's a bit too clean and feels a lot more house style compared to anything yeah. that you know Federici does. Not that people's feels like Federici either, but he does feel a bit more distinct, though. At it's, least there's a there's a painted quality like Federici has that yeah. people's has too. And then so when you put that with with the Will Conrad, which is still decent art, but just against those, they they don't mesh. It's very different. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, it feels very different. Um, there's some nice scenes though because uh, a couple of the Philogian kids like come with Superman and uh, Carlux because there's really nowhere safe to go so at least they'll feel better if they're with Superman Yeah. and there's this little sweet moment where they ask if they can go back to Earth with Superman and he's like well would you want that or would you want to go back with him to like New Philogia and mm-hmm. you know grow up there and he kind of says like one day you'll wear your own family emblem but you know you can wear mine for as long as you want to uh, it's just That's- a that was another Philip Kennedy Johnson just understanding Superman at a core level. Oh, sure. Because that, that line really moved me. Him going, you know, until you have your own, you know, and he calls them by their full names, you know, you know, you can wear my my symbol until you come up, you know, with your own family. And I was just like, oh, man, that's, there's Superman just being inspirational again. You know, not even trying, 
but yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when Natasha and Orphan uh, go to the the Red Sun Engine, uh, one of the one of the Mongols cronies shows yeah. up and tries Teacher. to stop them. Yeah. So teacher shows up, darling. It's setting up these um these plot threads that they're going to pick up next issue. Uh, Superman and Co. find the door to the Fireler Volgrun, and it turns out to be Byla that's in there. Uh, and yeah, like, uh, you know this. This idea that, like, you know, like, he's protecting this, this, this thing to, to until someone who is worthy of it, someone who'll restore what Old Grun is rather than just use it for, you know, corrupt reasons. Um, and Superman says, I have no interest in doing anything with it. I'm just here to, like, finish what I started, which is to help the people who are here. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, sounds like, oh, that right. will restore the name of Old Grun and all that stuff. So he probably is perfect to, to wield it. Um, so it's it's a nice little speech moment from from Superman. I will say this though, like, uh, well, this is the sort of thing where Byla, like, I really had to think about who this was because I was gonna say, Pete, do you remember who this was? Because I remember the name, but I could not for the life of me remember. Yeah, them popping up. So I think this is from earlier in the run. Yeah, uh, is is this the guy who was telling the like, stories early on? Yes. Yeah. So the first, yeah, he was the he took the form of a Philogian slave and storyteller. So, um, that was from the Action Comics Annual from last year. Cool. Uh, yeah. so, so it was a neat callback. I, I do kind of wonder if, like, a little editor's box just to remind us who that was. Maybe. Yeah, because I was like, Not when I, I know this face and I know the name, but for, for whatever reason, so I had to look it up and, yeah, it was, um, but I do like the fact that the whole storyteller is an emissary of the old god, right? And that it's looking for, you know... He's there to stand guard so this power doesn't get misused, right? Yeah. Or it gets used properly. And what does that mean? Um, but yeah. Yeah, so the, the exact word that he uses is, my task was to repel all those who would follow an old run's path and to aid the one who would redeem him. So yeah, yeah, like the idea yeah. that Superman will be the one who does that probably. Right. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so the, the cliff fires is basically like, okay, right? You're going to have to prove yourself worthy and it's like, here's... Here's a giant monster if I basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of the, the issue. Um, this is kind of a a frustrating issue in a way because I like the all the various plot things going on and everything that that is kind of ramping up to get it at the ending. Um, but I think mm-hmm. Byla not being instantly recognizable to me, mixed with the fact that the art's jumping back and forth, uh, did yeah. make it a, a you know a, a bit of a more mixed bag than it, it should have been. Yeah. As far as the main story goes, anyway. So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so next time the trials of Olgren, uh, and we'll see Superman proving himself mm-hmm. uh, worthy of the power of it, I guess. Yeah, well, and that was the thing that pops up too is that that they mention that if Superman beats Mongol, he becomes a Mongol, right? Because that's how that system works. So it's it's this tricky thing that they can't they can't necessarily beat Mongol that way. They have to just completely make not make a fool of him. But what's the word I'm looking for? They have to make it look like he can't leave, but they they have to. It's a trick to where they have to want to lead themselves, which is like uh, again, you look at Philip Kennedy Johnson and the kind of story he's trying to tell about freedom and you know and and uh, corrupt societies and whatnot. Um, but I, I really did like that. Yeah. 
the backup though uh, is you know Steel with Lois. Uh, they're still this is their communication with Natasha, and this is obviously set a little bit before uh, the conversation mm-hmm. earlier in the issue, where they, they came up with this plan and how to convert the uh, the sons using the Genesis energy. Uh, they find that it's actually saving uh, the you know the the, the they've got in the tank. It's mm-hmm. actually healing her more than the sun ever would. So. Uh, that's all fine and well, but then something breaks the communications, and then you know the villain that was set up last issue, Conduit, uh, shows up on behalf of one Amanda Waller because they should not have the Gen- Genesis fragment. So he steals that. There's a bit of a fight. Uh, I did like the moment where uh, like Conduit calls like Superman's family like a family of freaks, like you know that that husband mm-hmm. and that horrible son of yours, and she just grabs like one of Steel's biggest guns and just like <laughs> fires at him. How, yeah, she goes. This one have a good kick. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, um, but he does get away. Uh, so the end of the the story here is that well, we can't really take him on one by one because he is quite strong. So she calls on John, Kara, Connor, and Keenan uh, to come help. So we're getting all the super family coming in. That was this. Uh, this might be tip of my hand, but this moment made me so happy. Um. When Conduit brought up the family of freaks and whatnot, and then Lois sends out the the help, and and we we get John and we get Connor and Kara, but Keenan we haven't seen in a in a, in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so the fact that we get Keenan too, it just it felt like a, a really great moment. Um, because we we talk about the Bat family a lot, but the Super family is is pretty deep too. So the fact that Lois can call and and Steel, for that matter, can call on these people and they're gonna. Know, help get this Genesis fragment back. Yeah. It's, it's real fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Connor with his stupid sunglasses and haircut. I hate that out. look so much. <laughs> I know. I know you're not a fan of the jeans and the t-shirt, but I take the jeans and the t-shirt to the stupid high fade sunglasses and and you know leather jacket. Like, ugh. Yeah. Just not a fan. That's that cracks me up a little bit. Uh, the R in the backup is. Yes, it's it's a little uh you know, it's fine. Like it's not it's not bad yeah. art by any means. No, I liked it. Uh, um the, the the composition I, I think is really good. I had one one kind of problem is they they there's a scene where uh you can see Steel's reflection in Conduit's helmet, but it, it makes it look like Steel's saying conduit sign and conduit saying steals. And that was really only my problem. Uh, with that oh, sure yeah i can see Cause, that because yeah. i get what they're going for in the shot like it's a cool looking shot just maybe the letter didn't have a good spot to try to fix that but... yeah yeah because uh basically conduits offended that they refer to the alien as a woman he's like no it's an yeah. it you know and goes yeah. all uh you know i get you yeah. about it um yeah it's just, it's just a little bit flat i don't know if it may actually be more the coloring and the mm-hmm. than, than, than it is the, the actual line work yeah uh mm-hmm. that i'm not as hot on but uh, so like I say, the, the issue overall is a bit of a mixed bag in art, unfortunately. Uh, so, hey. Uh, what do you give an Action Comics 1045? I'm giving the main story uh, an 8, and the backup an 8.5, so we'll put that about an 8. Okay. Uh, main story, I'm going to go a 7. I, I just think the art's a bit too inconsistent uh, to, to go any higher than that, mm-hmm. even though I do like where the story's going. Um... And back up, uh, probably another seven. But yeah, I think I think both parts are solid enough. Uh, but 
it, it doesn't reach the heights of other action comics issues in the run just because the art's less consistent and because uh just the feeling of messiness that that gave me but uh still though excited for for you know where we're ramping up now in the end of the of the run and seeing where it goes so uh and the big glorious return that clark's going to have to earth uh yes. in a few months time which they're now teasing heavily well, and and the fact too that he uh that when they flip the radiation on on the genesis fragment that it heals so whatever he's sick with too Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That should he I mean, even if he comes back with the white temples, which I think is a is a fine look for an older Superman. Um just knowing that I, I could see that being an unintended effect when they yeah. flip the engine on Warworld, yeah. yeah. It'll so, heal whatever he was wrong with him. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Robin issue sixteen, Joshua Williamson writing Roger Cruz on the art. Uh so they've got Lord Deathman tied up because he came to the island. <laughs> He's such a mean I, I love Lord Deathman so much. He's <laughs> he is a maniac in the best way. He's just um, this this weird cheesy asshole. Like, I kind yeah. of love it. Uh, so Damien's talking to him, and he's he's insisting that uh, Flatline has went crazy and tried to kill him, and that they have to go deal with her. Uh, he's yelling and raving. I did love that Damien and Connor Hawk just start talking about how much of a, an idiot he is, and he's yeah. like, "I can hear you know," and Damien's just like, "I don't care." <laughs> yeah. well the fact that we we meet them on the beach and you just see the screaming and they're like oh no not again and they follow him all the way up to where they're keeping him and he's you know chained up and just the idea that his screams are penetrating this entire island i just think that made me laugh for whatever reason yep uh the demon's fist show up they're taking sanctuary in the island as yep. well uh which that that is his cousin right that we saw in that first teen titan story I when Robin so. had his titans? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, so they're here, and uh, Damien and Connor Hawk go off to Tokyo to try and find Flatline. So they're looking at possible safe houses that she might be in based on mm-hmm. Lord Deathman's locations. Uh, they run into uh, one of the Batman from Batman Inc., although he seems to have left it because, uh, well, Ghostmaker's shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> Was the just even thing he up? knows. Yeah. He's like, Even yeah, he knows. I had to sign up for Ghostmaker Inc. <laughs> That's not what I was in for. Uh, so, you know, they, they go looking. Um, uh, they get into a big fight with a, a big thing. It's, it's a big trap, basically. Uh, and although it did, this did lead to a really funny transition. So there's, there's a big two-page layout where they're fighting this this defense system, this big sort of... It's a big robot samurai-looking thing. And Damien's like, hey, we solved that. I shut it down because I'm really smart. Yeah. Uh, uh, we defeated this this whole thing without breaking a sweat, and then the, the very next page is that there's a trap door right underneath his feet that he, he drops through. So it's just Damien, you know, being an arrogant little shit, and then immediately getting yeah. his comeuppance for it, which is always good fun. Always, yeah, always good. But yeah. So he runs out of flatline, and immediately she kind of seems normal, uh, although she's got like a new sort of cloak and hood, uh, and she cracks some jokes about how she's taken after Talia. Um, but yeah so basically she seems completely fine and then when the others come in and like one of them calls calls her damien's girlfriend and she's like have you been telling people that i'm your girlfriend and he's like uh, <laughs> uh may, I, I also like the idea that, that lord Deathman thinks that she lost her mind because she's cleaning up his messes like she's streamlining his his you know whatever he was up to oh sure um, which, yeah. I, which i think is funny he just again, he's a maniac in, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm down for any further uh, developments on this potential mm-hmm. Robin and uh, Flatline relationship. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, f- funny beats, uh, but they realize, oh shit, he's probably playing us a little bit, and we've left him back there with everyone else. Uh, yeah. Which leads to the odd realization at the end of the issue, which is that Lord Deathman has got a romantic connection with Damien's grandmother. Yeah, mother soul. Uh, yeah, didn't expect that. Um, Very, and then upon upon research, right, Lord Deathman's original powers were he could enter a death-like state through like meditation, um, and whatnot. But that's been swapped since Rebirth to that he can't be killed because he's an immortal because of something to do with the Lazarus pits. Had had I known that before, it would have made you know this been less of a shock, but it's a shock nonetheless. Um, yeah, um, you know, he says this has all been his ruse, he's played like a fiddle. Uh, I, 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 I have to admit, I don't know if the, the reference to, because he says if I was streaming it, I'd have gotten so many subs. I don't know if, like, such a hip modern dialogue is feels right coming out of a supervillain's mouth, but all yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, but again, he's a weirdo maniac. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe he's really into live streaming. He's got the Lord Deathman. That's it. If someone gets a gets a costume and does uh-huh. Twitch streams completely in character the entire time as Lord Deathman, just saying yeah. evil shit. I, I, I might be yeah. into it. Also, the idea that they realize that he has a penchant for, like, crazy layers, mm. and that Lazarus Island has a giant skull on it, so of course he'd want to make that his lair. That also made me laugh. Um, but it's just a... I mean, despite having a character named Lord Deathman, this was a surprisingly light and funny issue. Oh, yeah, um, for sure, yeah. Uh, the- so... Um, which which is what I liked in the Robin book. This again, despite it being about a death tournament and and all of this, um, and that Damien is always such a self serious character that Williamson's getting humor out of all of this. Uh, and it, it bums me out that we're nearing the end. Um, yeah, yeah. I really hope that we get some follow up to some of these characters after this yep. in some way, shape, or form. Oh well, yeah, because because even Connor Hawk and this whole little group that's on Lazarus Island. You know, it, it actually feels like an organic, you know, Damien's never really had his Teen Titans. Um, and this kind of feels like his group of people, Connor Hawk and Flatline. And, I mean, I know, um, I know what you mean, but you did just say yeah. five minutes ago, uh, you referenced Damien's Teen Titans at the start of Rebirth. Yeah, but like, that really fell apart. Like, that was kind of the part of that story was he was still hiding stuff. Ah, but it, it doesn't change the fact that the statement, he's never really had his Teen Titans. <sighs> when then, you used that exact phrase yourself five minutes ago. Right, but... I still would argue that they weren't his Teen Titans. They were a team of Teen Titans. But you know how Dick has the, you know, the, the, his group. And then Tim has his Young Justice group. Damien really doesn't. And so now with all these characters, like even Double XL and Black Swan, and, you know, it, it's coming together more so than um, the ones that showed up in, in the Titans Academy. Like, uh, which is a bummer because I'd like to see Emmy pop up again you know i like that character a lot yeah yeah uh yeah i hope we get more of them somehow uh as, lo- as long as they're consistently written anyway but i mm-hmm. i did have fun with uh damien be with flatline again and i'm excited to see whatever wacky stuff they've got going with um mm-hmm. uh lord Deathman and mother soul so uh, we'll see how that goes what are you giving mm-hmm. robin issue 16 uh, an eight I'm going to go with a seven. I, I liked it, uh, but it does kind of feel like a 
like a in between issue. You know, it, it does Definitely. very much feel like just the tears setting up some things. There's some fun laughs to be had along the way. There's some good character moments, but it's, it didn't exactly take my breath away the way that you know some issues have because they're you know these big dramatic beats or good emotional beats. So uh, just a solid seven for me out of ten. And your know, Cruz's art's been consistent, you know. Um, yeah, and it, and it fits in with the whole vibe that was set up. I, I'm John Blank on the artist that kicked it off. Yeah, who, it, who it was very similar. Who was better? To be fair, like you mm-hmm. know, I, you know yeah. like I, I do kind of wish we still had the original artist, but uh, Cruz has been a is a fine follow up. So uh, yeah. that is cool. All right, um, let's move on. The Swamp Thing issue fifteen. Ram V writing with Mate Perkins on the art, and we're you know this is the penultimate issue. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're almost done. Uh, Swamp Things dealing with the Parliament of Gears, fighting their, their creations, their robots. Um, but during all this, Trinity's shown up to the party here right at the start of the issue. And when yeah. Swamp Thing and Trinity touch, and they kind of like... I mean, or she, at the very least, she sees his past. She sees his yeah. uh, life and like the, the, the important beats in his life, which is his dying father, his mm-hmm. time with his brother... Um, you know, but you know, the whole idea of ideas meeting. Uh, so this is yeah. the green and whatever she is uh, coming together, you know? So so did you read that as when, when they're explaining that he sees Trinity as a representation of the apocalypse? Like, she is the ending, right? And so when you think about where she was created through the, through the atomic testing, and all that means is, like, she is the... Not temptation. She's the... The whole idea of the end. Um, and it was just this whole super heady thing that I might have thought way too much about. Um, and not that it got in the way of reading this, but just trying to figure out how Trinity plays into all of this. Well, I mean, the book progresses from there. Swamp Thing's fighting the, the various creations mm-hmm. um, to try and end the conflict. And he comes across his brother and... He, his brother's losing the fight. Like the Green is yep. losing this fight in this war. And obviously Levi's powered by Green Lantern energy right now. And mm-hmm. there's this idea that he's using willpower, like human willpower, instead yeah. of the Green to like force, you know, or to, to like, you know, propel everything. Yeah. And he decides that he doesn't want to let his brother die. He doesn't want to be someone who lets his brother, that leaves his brother behind. So he goes in and helps him. And he asks for his help. He asks Jacob uh, to give him like access to the Green uh, to to go and so he can go talk to the Parliament of Gears so that he can present them with a choice so that it's not just this war let's try and end this in some other way that right. it's not just this big fight, um, and yeah you know, so sure enough uh, he kind of like you know connects with them and like all the veins and branches go into his chest and mm-hmm. you know all these great images that Mike Perkins is is doing, um, so you know he fights his way into this you know into the the Parliament of Gears. And we finally get to hear them kind of talk, right? So we got all these just machines on a wall just saying things behind them. Yeah, with, with creepy-looking faces, yep. too. Like, they just, like... <laughs> not not that the Parliament of Trees wasn't, like... I mean, it was creepy because they're tree faces, but, like, these guys are a whole new level. They're, they, they're very reminiscent of Gremlins to me, and maybe that was on purpose because <clears throat> the whole idea of, you know, you know, Gremlins and the machinery or whatnot. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I got gremlins from it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, obviously, Pale Wanderer walks out uh, and starts having the, a debate with with Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing says, "No, you're not an idea. You 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 represent greed more than anything else. You run the desert. You're 
this sort of, uh, you know, this this, leech, this parasite, yeah, this thing that just yeah. feeds off of others. Yep. Um, but yeah, he wants the, the Parliament of Gears to listen and sort of, you know, and we get this great two-page layout of, uh, like, showing that this war and these alien plant life beings coming down. Like, this is what's going to happen if this war keeps going. Like, maybe you'll win, but is it worth the cost of what it'll take to win? Uh, right. is kind of the argument. And the pale wonders, like, well, what, you're going to try and convince them by just tell, you know, telling them all this? And the end of the issue, he's like, no, they're not going to speak to me. It's not going to be me who convinces them of anything. It's going to be her. And the final page is, like, Trinity walking in, um, and it's like, oh, so, like, the, the Parliament of Gears is going to talk to this new idea. You know, whatever Swamp Thing yep. felt when he touched her, uh, like, she's going to try and or convince them and right. you know it, it goes into like some of these things because she, she makes the choice like right before they do touch and like mm -hmm. share the ideas she steps in and helps him and it's this idea that she just did that out of kindness and that's inspired by the one man who was kind to her when he right. found her put the coat over her even though yeah. it was his demise right it's this kind of idea that with if when you create you also have to destroy they go hand in hand um yeah and that she was created through destruction right yeah. and maybe for her so, as well like doing something kind ultimately right? uh like by by ending a war she's almost destroying the need for herself because uh, right. if, if she represents the destruction and the the atomic bomb and right uh you know mass devastation uh the kindest thing she could do is convince everyone not to need her effectively right. you know so maybe right. that's kind of something there and that's where i was here. getting the whole idea of finality right is that she's this you know, if you don't, her ending is not her ending. So wait, word I'm looking for. This this tripped me up, not in a bad way, but I've been definitely thinking about this issue since I read it last night. <laughs> Just trying to piece this whole idea of the ideas and what they represent and how they're working with one another. And when Levi says that what what his dad wanted to show him wasn't you know Kazaringa or their home it was that you he that levi has to live for himself and it's and it's not like a selfishness but it's a you're a part of the bigger picture and that if you lose that you kind of lose touch with the rest of the world and so in doing so and bringing in you know he penetrates the, the the gears right he gets the green to wrap themselves around this machinery and, you know, so they're kind of in a stalemate right now. It's kind of giving them like a timeout in their little war. Um, and it's kind of that lesson from his dad. At least that's how I read it was that, you know, he needs to focus on, on this moment right now in himself um, to. And, and that's when Trinity comes in. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Ramvi's really good at this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he talks about how the. The Parliament of Trees and the Green sometimes is a bit too focused mm -hmm. on preserving itself when, mm -hmm. like, no, it will always persist in some way. E even if this planet if eventually dies, there'll be right. another planet that'll have green and it'll, it'll persist right. in other ways. Ideas never really truly die, uh, mm -hmm. and the green won't die. So, uh, like, it, it can't just be about beating the machines because mm -hmm. we have to win. It has to be possibly coexistence. It has to be possibly right. how do we benefit each other because... You know, before we brought in the 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 Parliament of Gears and we brought in industry and we brought in whatever mm -hmm. else, 
you know, we've, we've talked before with Swamp Thing about how the green, the red, and the raw all do need to coexist. They all need right? to, you know... There needs to be a, a balance between them, right? Yeah. But when they're working, it's a cycle, you know? So, uh, basically... I guess if anything, Trinity is this representation because you know an explosion, and especially a mm-hmm. big explosion, you know, but like an explosion is a chemical reaction of things colliding, effectively, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. if the idea is that she represents the warning of of these things clashing and like mm-hmm. you know fighting until there is like some you know figurative explosion, uh, it's you know it's, I don't know maybe that is the warning sign. Maybe there's more yeah. here in the last issue we're going to get that I can't quite predict yet, but yeah. Uh, it- it also brings me back to that that one-off issue where he goes into the bomb that didn't explode. Mm. That was an atomic bomb too. Um, yeah, yeah. And how how this ties to that, and and you know, but yeah, it's the the whole idea of them being ideas and ideas persist even if they don't. If they, even if they don't, the the ideas will continue. And and then seeing all this, and it wasn't just because of the Green Lantern. It's it's I've been wanting a, a, like a new like vision for Green Lantern for a minute, and I feel like Ram V. This whole idea of ideas, because just seeing the, you know, the idea of the green existing on an alien planet, right? I want to see that now. Like, what is that like? You know, so him him doing a book like that, I think would be super, super cool. Um, yeah. You know, and that's just from a little thread in a Swamp Thing book. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, again, really good. Mike Perkins art, too. A lot of these layouts, when, you, when you're seeing him get into the parliament and you can just kind of follow the roots yeah, because he kind of like you know puts a root through, and then he mm-hmm. kind of reforms from the root on the yeah. other side. That's kind of how he gets yeah. in. And it's worth mentioning as well is that towards the end, when he does put all of his veins around all of the machines mm-hmm. and the gears of this impossible machine, mm-hmm. he, he, part of the reason why he does that is because if you're going to take us to this like conclusion where we're all mm-hmm. going to die because you have to fight this war, you're going to like do it having the memory, like he's sharing the memory yeah. of the planet with them and saying. This is what you're a part of. This is what you're going to destroy. Is, yeah. All of this history, if you go through with this. So, um, yeah. the idea that the the avatar that is created from the nuclear bomb is going to be used as a warning sign is very poetic, yeah. and yeah. The, the idea that she herself wants to be a warning sign potentially and do something kind, right? Again, is very poetic, and so oh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited to see how he wraps it up. Uh, it's very yeah. thought provoking this run. I think especially this last five or six issues have all been. Yeah, I'm so glad it did well that we got these five or six issues because it's really put the rest of the series, those first ten, in perspective a lot better. Yeah, well, like you say that that one off issue about the bomb that didn't explode, mm-hmm. like that all of a sudden feels a lot more relevant and like in hindsight mm-hmm. because it set up some themes. Yeah, that maybe we didn't see coming. So mm-hmm. that's good. But yeah. All right, rate the book. Uh, 9.5. I'm going to go straight 9. I'm going to go straight 9. Yeah. Uh, but only because it doesn't quite hit the heights of some of the previous two or three issues. That is That's the only reason. I, the fact that I woke up thinking about this issue Yeah. and, and all of this stuff, it's it's very much, you know, this the the ideas are permeating <clears throat> into me now. And yeah. maybe that's the point. Maybe that's what Ram V's going for here. Yeah, and obviously the arts, you know, it's, it's consistent with Perkins. It's just been gorgeous. Uh, that mm-hmm. final page, especially with Trinity showing up and just the light emanating from her, mm-hmm. uh, she feels like something genuinely new in the room. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, you've got Swamp Thing on the left, you've got the Pale Wanderer on the right, you've got all the gears yeah. behind her, but all the light coming from her feels genuinely different and new. Yeah. Uh, so you know, really well done stuff. All right, 
Uh, Task Force Z, issue 10, Matthew Rosenberg writing with Eddie Barrows on the art. Uh, I don't even know what's going on in this book anymore. I'm a... <laughs> yeah, so in the last issue, we had um, the, the rev- revelation that Bane might not be Bane all the way. Oh, yeah, like, and by the end of this issue, we find out who, why? who it is, because it's yeah. not Bane. So this is not revealing that Bane wasn't Bane before he died. That was still all Bane. But this is just some somewhere after Bane died, yeah. he has been switched. So the actual corpse running around with the Bane costume on has not been Bane. It is, in fact, Gotham. Right, as in Gotham Girl and Gotham, the brother who's been dead. And uh, <clears throat> so it, it flashes back to when, when this whole Task Force Z idea is going around with Two-Face and Waller and that they want to use like basically the idea of Bane, but they don't want to use Bane himself. Right. Was that the vibe you were getting? Yeah. Part part of it also is because they, you know, they wanted to, um, yeah, they wanted to control him better. Yeah. They also like had the thinker plant like subliminal, like messages in a lot of their heads because at one point Bloom in this issue shows up and like says like a little, like poem and it, it triggers everyone to like turn on Jason for a bit. So for Grundy. He says Grundy's still Grundy. Uh yeah. and that, that made me laugh for no reason. I love Solomon Grundy. Yeah. And and, but, and the whole thing is just that Bloom's there to kidnap one of the twin scientist yeah. ladies uh to to help them with what they're working further, on. Yeah, to further whatever he's doing. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm gonna be honest though, I, I've kind of lost track of what the motivations are of Bloom and who he's working for. Bloom, <laughs> for me, Bloom's doing his own thing, and the fact that he he brought back Kirk from a severed head, right? We still don't really know how he did that. That's still been, you know, keeping to him. We still don't know what Bloom actually is, right, at this point. Like, um, and just the, the longer this book goes, the more chaotic it gets, but I also kind of like that, that it, it's just telling the story of... of when you start getting in, involved in these, you know, resurrections and, and how messy all this is. Like, it wasn't just, you know, putting an undead team of villains together like we thought at the beginning, right? It's become much more of, you know, there's ethical questions. And, you know, when you had Two-Face into this and, you know, what his role in all of this was and how he dealt with Waller um, and just the whole idea of, them wanting to to use the idea of Bane, but that was mainly to control Jason and why, right? Like, why why is Jason so important to this? Um, is one of the questions that that's still out there. But but yeah, it's kind of messy. But I I feel messy in a good way because I still feel the intent here with Rosenberg with Bloom and I mean um, like I had a decent time powers. reading that. I'm still kind yeah. of into the absurdity of it. Yep. Uh, but I, I will say that you know as time goes on, like I'm losing track of like what each like group is trying to achieve and like yes. what the point of certain things are. Yeah. Uh, but then you get to that final page and because because there's a whole thing about okay, we've got some random corpse to be the, mm-hmm. this like fake Bane, but it's like yeah, but how many people could be as big as Bane and could like deal with like the the injection of the venom and stuff like that? So at the end when it's revealed to be Gotham, it's like okay, I guess that uh, he could take that. Yeah, because right. he's got them. He has powers right. and shit. Right. right. So. So. But yeah, no, it it's fun, but it's a mess, and yeah, I'm curious to see where it all ends up. Was this ten? This was issue ten. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have two left. He can still, well, he can still stick the landing. 
when it's all is revealed. And Bloom's so creepy. I'm doing that poem and all of them flipping. So that was, you know, sufficiently creepy, I think. Yeah, you also had, like, in the flashback where they were setting some of this stuff up with uh, Waller there. Mm-hmm. Like, Waller, like, being all the protective of her, like, her Suicide Squad members by, like, because yeah. one of them, like, threatens them. I think it's yeah. Bloom threatens one of them. And she's like, don't you threaten one of my people. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but they're maniacs. Yeah, yeah but they're my maniacs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's very much a Waller line, right? Uh, like, yeah. So. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot to add about it. Uh, I just I just thought, like, okay, where's Bane then? Because there's this whole mm. plot through Joker, I remember you covering, of, of cloning Bane. Right? And you have the Vengeance character. Uh-huh. And then they killed off Bane at the beginning of Joker War. Uh, when, with the Arkham Gas Lake. Oh, yeah, so that, was, that, was, that was before Joker, though. That, like, that, that's... that... Yeah, because jo- Joker spun out of that afterwards. No, that's, that's what I mean. So yeah. you have you have him dying, right? Seemingly in, in the, the A-Day stuff. And then they, they're cloning him, Joker. And now here, you know, is, is Bane still out there somewhere? Is he going to make a, a a stir? You know, well, is he gonna because be- they've got his corpse in this. Like he's, he's on the other table because they're transferring his memory to Gotham. They say that. They say that this tech is transferring oh, them, the memories to the dead guy. Ah, shit. Shows you, shows you, this is the first thing I read this week. Uh, I forgot that scene. I yeah, got so, so caught up in, in it being Gotham. Um, oh, damn it. Just bring back Bane, please. I like Bane. That's all I, I was know, getting to. I'm in a little rush. We got plenty of villains to use. <laughs> no, I know. But, you know, he's just what I like. That's all. Oh, yeah. What are you, you giving uh, Task Force Z? I'm giving this a seven. Yeah. Uh,. Yeah, well, I'll give it. I'll just a bit give it a seven as well. Uh, obviously, Barrow's art still fun. Uh, yeah. it's, it's got that moodiness to it. Um, you know, it's just it, the book is a bit messy, perhaps for its own good at times. But mm-hmm. uh, generally, the the brand of crazy that's in it is entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, seven out of ten for me. Uh, so DC Mech issue one. Uh, Kenny Porter writing with uh Valdemir Rivas on the art. So, very curious to see what this was going to be exactly beyond just there's mech suits in it, because that's mm-hmm. obviously what the premise is. Um, I was very surprised when it started off. This is a new Six History miniseries, uh, just for the record. So, this starts off, and it's like, oh, it's uh, 1945, and it's, it starts off as a JSA story, right? So, you get the JSA, and they're being celebrated in the streets, and it's Hot Girl that's narrating, talking about how uh, we're at the age of heroes, all these things. But then the first ever parademon shows up in the sky. And it, it doesn't look like a parademon that you've seen, like, before. This is kind of... It's not quite a mech, but it's got, like, mech parts on it, and it's very different. But it kills, like, three of the JSA members. The rest of them just about take it down, but it's like, oh, holy shit, this, like, took all of our effort. Uh, in fact, I think Hot Girl's, like, like, killing blow is a strike from the upper atmosphere with the nth metal mace. <laughs> so she comes all the way down from, a. uh... uh the sky uh, to to kill it um and it's like wait th- this is just a scout there's going to be more of these someday we can't even begin to like imagine fighting these so the five remaining members of the jsa uh like become scientists uh heroes are kind of gone for for that you know then decades later we get the new version of superman's origin in this universe which is not that krypton is going to explode 
it's that dark side's there uh with a big apocalypse machine thing um and it's going to consume the planet uh so they launch you know Kal-El off you know just, mm-hmm. just like like normal but instead of the planet exploding it's during this and it's like no we have to send him to earth because it will be in a few decades time dark side is going to get to earth want to kill people to do his anti-life equation bullshit so we have to send them off um but the one thing that is different other than that though is that as they're they're flying as as the ship's flying off to give it cover uh both of superman's parents get into their own mech suits and go and like you know take on like some of dark side ships and drones and shit uh so but yeah uh there you go uh the, although the the hologram that starts talking to kal-el baby kal-el starts happening on the trip like it's talking to him when he's in the in the spaceship mm. so uh, I, I don't know if that'll lead to more differences later but that's uh one mm. of the, the key things that's set up uh but we cut to today when we're in metropolis and the mech versions of the rogues are stealing something. Uh, we get mech Captain Cold, mech Boomerang, <laughs> mech Heatwave, uh, mech so on or so. I think you see Trickster and Weller Wizard in a couple of pages' time. Uh, so mech Flash comes in. And it's worth mentioning that inside these mech suits, they, they are themselves and they look like themselves. Although they might not have... If they, if they have superpowers typically, I don't know if Flash has actual speed powers or if it's just that the mech that he's built, his mech suit's got like, this speed ability. So, I'm unclear exactly to, as to that. Uh, but it's Wally, we find out. Uh, this is Wally who's taken over from Barry. Mm-hmm. And then Batman comes down in his mech suit uh, to help fight the rogues. Uh, the designs are a little bit funky, but, you know, this mechs, so it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Darkseid's on his way. He says it's time to like, go after Earth. Uh, their big boom tube that they were going to create... Uh, isn't going through because some of the, the humans have, have put a stop to it. Uh, so they're just going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. So they send down uh, three parademons, uh, which Flash and Batman and their mechs are going to have to deal with. Meanwhile, we see Lex Luthor talking to General Lane. So Lex is in this universe. We're going to see what he's doing. He claims that they've been ready for this attack for 20 years. So I'm sure Lex has got his own mech suits and whatnot. If I had the faith, and he's the one character who kind of already has a mech suit. In, yeah. in the DC universe, so uh, I guess that would make some sense. I, I like the idea that it's a Lex Max. <laughs> uh, so the big thing, though, that happens is that while Batman and Flash are fighting uh, the Parademons, uh, the big saving grace is that seemingly for the first time, this is they've not met Superman before, Superman and his mech suit come down um, and, uh, you know, crushes one of the, the, the Parademons, uh, and immediately you know, Flash is like, who the hell is that guy? So they're they're very confused, but of course the end of this first issue is that Batman jumps out of his mech suit and holds a batarang to Superman's throat because he doesn't trust them, <laughs> because naturally you know. Um, also, Batman keeps ref- referring to Alfred and his godmother. Now I don't know if he's just talking about Leslie Tompkins or if this is something that the book's going to do <clears throat> specifically that's different. different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he but he says that I was like my you know he keeps referring to godmother uh, and I'm like. Okay, this feels like a, a big thing that it's building up to. So, I don't know. Um, honestly, it was a very easy read. You know, it, it wasn't too wordy. It flowed quite well. Um, the art's uh, enjoyable enough. Uh, there's a lot of speed lines and stuff uh, to give the sense of motion. Um, 
you know, it, it, there is a lot about weirdness early on because when, when you're, we start off with a GSA story, you're like, okay, what, what's going on here? Like, I thought it was going to set up sort of a Pacific Rim thing where the GSA were going to start building mechs because mm-hmm. of what whatever happens in, in, in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it skips ahead and it kind of feels like, oh, the, the Justice League are already in mech suits. And, like, and, you know, when it did the, the, the redo of, like, the Krypton's, like, end stuff, right? And we see, like, Jor-El and Lara in mech suits. I thought, mm. oh, maybe Superman's going to be the one who brings mech suits to Earth. Like, he's going to be the one that says, no, right. like, my, my parents had this technology. I can, we can build all, every mech suits for everyone. He inspires yeah. the mech suits, yeah. But they've already got mech suits before they, he shows up to everyone. It's just, so, just a world where mech suits are just part of who you are. Yeah, it's just a normal thing. Everyone's got mech suits, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, so I had a little bit of, like, what, what we're doing here early on. Um, but, you know, it's, in, in a weird way, like some of it feels not different enough, but at the same time, uh, it was a very easy read. So, like, I'm not even sure how excited. Like, it's not as exciting as Jurassic League issue one was, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like, it wasn't this like wet fart of an issue that that you know it, it still had some yeah. style and it, you know. It sounds fun. Like, it yeah. sounds like at least if you don't, you know, if you don't take the oh, it's just uh, an excuse to put the Just League in mech suits. You know, you don't take the cynical part and just enjoy it. It seems enjoyable enough. Yeah. Like, um, I, I do like the idea of dark side uh, on Krypton because that has the, you know, there's other Kryptonians out there still, right? Like if he turns that into one of his engines and whatnot, like he does, um, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe that's where it's building to. I don't know. Yeah. He basically consumes the planet with his big mm-hmm. apocalypse yeah. world. It's not War World, but the Apocalypse World. No, because... yeah, it's that. That's why I said one of the engines because I just remember that wasn't that part of that's one of the Justice League stories where he was trying to turn a city into one. Of, maybe that was in Dark Side War. I can't remember. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So it was a decent enough read. Like it's uh, you know, depending on you know how busy things are when issue two comes out, I I might very well read issue two. It's. It's kind, of, it's kind of weird, though. I, like, I, I do think it's a bit strange that this is starting whilst Jurassic League's still going on, when it's very much kind of, like... In the same space. Yeah, it's like, you know, here's the Justice League, but there's this big difference to them. Like, it feels like maybe let Jurassic League finish, wait a couple months, and then start this. But uh, that aside, it's a decent enough time. So if you you mm, want... Sounds good. You know, it's, it's not like a must-read by any means, but uh, you know, it, it, it's very functional. <laughs> so... Uh, I'll probably give it, um, yeah, I'll be getting a lot of sevens this week, but I thought, you know, that's yeah. kind of seven So, swimming in sevens, swimming in sevens this week. <laughs> uh, so, there you go. Um, so next up, Batman, One Dark Knight, issue three, Jock, uh, doing all the key roles, basically. Yeah. Um, so... Obviously, this is the last issue ended with Batman and EMP down the sewer. It was dark; you couldn't see anything. Uh, they're getting close to Blackgate. They're, they're obviously, the whole premise of this book has been powers out in the city. He's trying to get get EMP to Blackgate. All these gangs are after him. This really cor- corrupt uh, 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 politician slash uh, whatever her I can't remember her exact job role, but the yeah. the corrupt woman who's like really shady and like corrupt. And uh, in this issue, she flat out like kills a. Uh, a cop who's not one of their corrupt cops because like oh no sense we can't leave him alive he's seen too much oh dear so yeah it really says something she's like an evil bitch um 
But yeah, there's your stars, and it's just all these dark panels of like just like some scratches and stuff, and it's like Batman's in the sewers, there's no light, you can't see anything. And then eventually when he does, EMP sort of tied up as like a sort of bit of bait, and then all these like really kind of weak looking guys come out and try to fight him. And it turns out they are actually people who worship Killer Croc, and Killer Croc comes out of the tunnels and he's drilling so we get this big batman and killer croc fight uh it's a whole lot of fun um meantime yeah you've, you've got uh vasquez the corrupt woman kind of like coming across with the uh, emp's son try to get to him she's you know she's got this game plan to use his son to like kill him uh which is our, our ultimate goal here uh but yeah the fight's really good obviously this is again 50 pages and it goes in quite quick for 50 pages the art from jock is gorgeous um, like I said, those first two or three pages are just panels of effectively darkness with the odd like, sort of blue scratch to kind of give a sense that there's like something there, but you can't quite tell what it is. And even that looks good. Like even that, I'm kind of just like engaged in what's going on. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've got all these corrupt cops teaming up with some of the gangs on their way to like towards Blackgate because that's where Batman and that are. Um, all this stuff's going on. Uh, Batman gets so beat up by Croc that part of his curls like ripped off and his hair sticking out, and he ends up like tying like part of his curl like at the back to keep it on. So he's like really messed up by the time we get quite far in the book. Uh, and he uses Croc's own strength against him to flip him into a wall, which wins the fight. And then he, he some of the power comes back on the the Batcave. Alfred starts seeing things again. The blackout's now just located around like where EMP is, so it's just that kind of area near Blackgate. And they get out of the bridge, or sorry, out of the, the, the sewer in the manhole, and they're at, like, the edge of the bridge that leads to Blackgate, uh, which is on, like, a little island. And Batman's like, oh, we're almost there. And th- this part is, like, you know, it feels like the end of a big epic action movie, because he's, he looks down, it's this gorgeous panel of looking towards Blackgate with this empty road on its way there. He looks back over his shoulder on the next page, and you just see the skyline of darkness, and you can just make out that there's people on the roof, and sure enough, this, like a row of guys with rocket launchers. So the next page is just all these rocket rockets flying towards Batman and uh, EMP, which takes out part of the bridge. Um, there's a lot of fighting going on. There's jumping in the water. But the big thing is that Vasquez shows up with, with the kid and is like, this is your father who abandoned you. Uh, like, go and like, let out your rage. Let, you know, let your EMP explosion fly to, to, to put an end to him. But what she doesn't predict is that the kid and EMP actually embrace and hug, and he's happy to see him, and she's pissed off about it, but funny enough, EMP's actually just too far gone. He was going to blow anyway, um, and he's, like, ramping up, and Batman has to dive and, like, put him in the water uh, to basically stop the explosion from, like, killing anyone. And, he, you know, he tells Brody, I'm going to try and take care of him, and he's kind of lying because he knows he's probably going to die. And it's this gorgeous white page as well as, as he's hugging the kid, saying, I've got you, son, it's all going to be okay. But he, he dives off the, the roof, or sorry, off the off the bridge. Uh, gorgeous paneling here, where you get this, like, page where he's kind of, like, throwing EMP into the water, but Batman's still dangling from the edge of the bridge, the, the, the destroyed bridge. And he's sort of dangling in silhouette, but then the, the sort of the background panel that sort of fills out underneath it is just the actual... The, the bright light of the EMP explosion coming from the water. It's uh, just really stunning stuff. Um, and then Vasquez says, like, it doesn't matter what you know, no one's going to believe the word of God, you know, of, of Gordon's, like, vigilante friend and this, like, you know, like, criminal child over me. Uh, so, like, 
you know, I wanted him dead, I got him dead. Uh, this is not the way I expected it to happen, but it worked out. And turns out Batman's recording the conversation and Gordon's like, yeah, got it. So she's, you know, caught. And there's this great full-page spread of her looking back across the bridge and there's just all of these these police waiting for her. So, you know, getting some comeuppance, which is really nice. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of the end of the book. I mean, the, the main thing is, is the idea that... Um, you know, this this kid Brody, the EMP's son, needed help, and EMP maybe survived the blast, you know, he's getting lifted out of the water, and the, the, you know, the kid, the idea that he's got this stepfather, or like, uh, adoptive father who's looking out for him, uh, and his real father cares about him, so, you know, maybe there's, there's hope for him, you know, because, because he's got a support system, he'll be able to control this ability that he's inherited. So, it's, it's a really kind of sweet ending, it does, you know, I said from issue one that this very much felt like a like an action movie where it was just a simple premise, this gauntlet to get to the finish line, and I think this is going to read fantastically when you read it as one one hundred and fifty page continuous story because it's just going to be this adrenaline thing. Um, it's got a big climatic payoff. It feels very cinematic, uh, and the villain is very hateable, and you're really glad when she gets to come up into the end. So, um, yeah, that was excellent. Uh, I was into it yet again. Um, uh. Yeah, and it felt distinct as well because half of it was in the sewers, and you, you dealt with all the the horror side of that before it came back up top. So, yeah. Let me get a good showing by Croc. So I'm gonna have to go back yeah. and read this when I have time. Yeah, scary Croc as well, which is uh, yeah, which is nice. always a bonus. Yeah. Always uh, bonus. so yeah, and obviously they are. I mentioned it a few times already, but I, I can't really compliment it enough. It is is yeah, gorgeous. It's, it's stunning. Yeah. yeah, it like what else can can I really say about yeah. it? There's, there's just the way it handles these epic moments in darkness of, or silhouette or where an explosion goes off, it really, like, you feel it light's really important in Jock's art where it'll all be in shadows, but then you'll get that one panel or page where there's, like, just bathed in light and it just, it really feels different and you feel the impact of it. There's a lot of that throughout it, so. Um, yeah, this is just a straight nine for me. I just think it's, it was a really fun uh, black label book uh, and I think it'll probably read even better if you just read it in one sitting, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not so long that that would be difficult. I think 150 pages, like, you know, it's obviously longer than a few single issues, but it's, uh, I, I think you could read this in one sitting over a, mm-hmm. about an hour and just have a great time with it. So, yeah. Uh, that's One Dark Knight, issue three. Uh, which will take us on to Superman Space Age, issue one. Mark Russell writing, Michael Allrad on the on the art. Uh, you read this, Matt, so. Yes, yes I did. Um, so this is essentially a not not even a what if it's a uh, almost a companion to the new frontier in that this is about the dc heroes if they started to come up in the actual 60s um and so it, it starts in 1985 and it looks like earth's on its last legs and superman you know goes up to space gets the full view um it looks like there's you know so, like a, like a field around earth and he jumps he, you know, he, he goes down to the fortress uh, of solitude uh, and stuff's raining down on him. So it definitely looks like the end. Um, and uh, as he's in there, uh, Lois and John are there and he's talking about what it, what it means to be a hero. Um, and that, you know, sometimes, sometimes the, you know, when, like when 
a sailor's lost out at sea uh, and he could just, you know, stick his head up enough to, to shout he was here. Um, to do that before plunging into the darkness is an act of heroism. And so as it looks you know, like it's the end. It's interesting that uh, we're at a point now where John is being placed in stories that are meant to feel silver agey and things like that. Yeah. Where and it, and it fits. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's just like, interesting because typically... Yeah. When they set stories in that kind of time period, and they, they tend to do it as if, okay, it's like the Silver Age where all mm -hmm. of these extra characters didn't exist yet. But so it's interesting to right. see them kind of throw that in there. Yeah. So he's, and he's a, a little kid in this. He's probably no more than seven or eight. And he's scared. And so, you know, Clark grabs him and they sit with Lois and the fortress is coming down because it looks like they've made their home there. And then it jumps back to, to 1963. And, you know, Clark's living at Smallville with his dad and, He's doing farm work and he's like, you know, I could have had this all done in like 10 minutes. And Pa Kent's kind of like, it's it's not the work, it's doing the work, right? It's like, yeah, you can do it, you know, um, you can do it all quick, but you're not going to learn the, the value of work without doing it. Um, and then says, do you want to do it quick or do you want it done right? Uh, and... As they're sitting on the porch drinking a root beer, uh, Pa Kent tells a story of how he was in World War II in the the Pacific, and that you know he um, he kind of saw the worst of, of what humanity had to offer, and that because Clark had told him you know he could do more, he could save the world, and that's where Pa brings up again: Are you gonna save it right or save it quick? Um, and then that's what brings up the story of of in the war, and that. They're on in these little islands and no one in Japan knows that the war is over. Um, you know, they've been bombing them for weeks. They're half, uh, half starved, half shell shocked. And, you know, some of the, the Japanese soldiers are surrendering, but they're also, you know, um, surrender, you know, take, taking out as many lives as they can upon surrender, which then makes the U S soldiers super jumpy because they're seeing their, you know, people get taken out. And so they, as they start going through these caves, they start looking for fire because the the Japanese soldiers are, are smoking before they die. Um, and that's where they learn that if they're soldiers or civilians and how to handle it differently. So Pa Kent's there and he sees a, a fire go up in this cave and he fires and it, he ends up killing a kid. Um, and it's, you know, Pa learning the cost of war and that the kid was, you know, he had a lighter to try to light his way to hide in the cave because the U.S. soldiers were coming. Um, and, you know, he says that, that you know, you see the cost of life and it, it sticks with you forever, you know, and he talks about how he shipped out soon after that. Um, and so he talks about that, you know, right after that, Pa comes back and tries to get settled, and that's where Clark finds his way to them, uh, to him and Ma. And um, they just talk about how, you know, in that, when he landed, there was also another piece that they kept going, and we know that's going to end up being what becomes of the Fortress of Solitude. Um, and that it tells Clark to look at it, but as they're sitting on the porch, they get news from Dallas that JFK's been assassinated, which now inspires Clark to, you know, he wants to go do more. Uh, we get a meeting in Washington between Bruce Wayne and uh, Lex Luthor. They introduce themselves as representatives for their each of their companies and they're going into a, a boardroom to meet with general lane 
Um, and they're told that Kennedy was assassinated as well. Uh, over the Arctic Ocean, uh, there's jets flying, and uh, they see Clark flying up, you know, towards towards the uh, Arctic. And, and the pilot doesn't know what to make of this. Um, and we get cut to the, you know, stuff that's going on with Kennedy, uh, with them swearing in LBJ. And so it's cool that Russell's pulling from history. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Clark is trying to do more. Mom and dad don't want him to go. Uh, and then we cut to um, uh, the Soviets also see Clark as he's flying over the ocean. So the American pilots think that it's, it's something to do with the Soviets. The Soviets think that it's him. Um, and they get prepared to launch before this pilot fires at Clark and knocks him uh, basically into the snow. And so now that that thing's been destroyed, they stand down. So we get a near miss. So it's it's really Mark Russell playing with the whole idea of the tension in the 60s. Um, and Lex is, is in a boardroom. Uh, they're making pitches on how to deal with the Cold War. And so Bruce makes a pitch that basically you can use armor and soldiers that are super well trained with, you know, essentially he's describing an army of Batman to go and fight in these proxy wars to keep tensions at ease. Because if you have a proxy war, they're not going to fight a bigger Cold War. They're not going to want to drop bombs. But then Lex counters with like, well, why don't we put all this money into bunkers? Because the war is going to be fought anyways. Um, why not, you know, plan for the end? And come to find out when it when it gets to the Pentagon, Lex has a guy in the inside that he's blackmailing. One of the generals has gambling debts that Lex has found out about. And that if he can get Lex's idea to pass, he'll, you know, you know pay for all his debts. Um, Perry starts sending Lois out. Uh, she's running the... Uh, kooks and crazies beat and so she's out there just talking to you know people that had witnessed the kennedy assassination and she's writing stuff up um uh superman or superman clark finds the fortress he finds recordings of of jor-el jor-el starts you know trying to help him be um superman and tells him you know if you found this you know uh, fortress your powers are gonna be i need you to go experience the world um, but he's telling Clark about stuff that he doesn't know that he can do. And this is really where the art takes up that it's that Mike all red, very pulp style of like the sixties, kind of like how, you know, Darwin's cook, Darwin cooks looked in the, the new frontier, just the very clean lines, but all red here uses the expressions of Clark. Cause he's totally confused um, about having heat vision or x-ray vision. He's finding about all the stuff because as far as Clark's concerned, he's fast and he's strong and he can fly. Um, and he's going to you know, have to unlock all of these before he can claim his birthright uh, and basically be this emissary for other worlds and, you know, kind of a symbol of a world that, that didn't listen and, you know, consumed itself. Um, Lois writes a Pulitzer Prize winning piece about the death of JFK and then Clark moves from Smallville in 1964 to to Metropolis and ends up working the same beat because Lois gets a, a promotion, um, a lot of fun 60s stuff. But on one of Clark's uh, outings on, on the Kooks and Crazies beat, 
he meets with Pariah, which I feel is weird considering everything that's going on with the Dark Crisis hmm. on Infinite Earths. And that he meets Clark in Bibbo's bar, which of course I love. Um, and he tells him that, you know, he's he's from a world where he saw the destruction of everything and tells him how he unleashed the anti-monitor and that, you know, the Earth has 20 years. And 20 years from now, he's like, you can try to do, but it's going to end. I've seen it, which again, I think is funny because we're talking about crisis and Russell's playing with the timeline but we're getting all red drawing these these panels from Crisis, which I think is really cool uh, in that style of the 60s. So like Anti-Monitor really looks monstrous and, and through all this. Um, and, you know, but but Clark's like, well, we can we can change these things. And Pryor's like, you can do your best to, to try, but nothing's in a, you know, it, it's all set into stone. It's and, funny how you can technically put Pariah in any Elseworlds story and kind of say it's tying yeah. into the the crisis event a little right? bit because well technically this is pariah just traveling around the multiverse and this is just right? one that's going to potentially die so okay. right right exactly and so um uh lex ends up you know making his plan work we also find out that that pilot so as as lex is is getting his his idea bought up by by the general he's blackmailing the pilot comes in and it's hal jordan the one that had shot at superman the year before you know, he wants to know what, you know, um, you know, because they want to talk about this Soviet super weapon that he shot down that they didn't recognize. Um, and, and yeah, my iPad's freezing, so I can't go through. Uh, but Lois and Clark are hitting it off. They're, you know, he's trying to, you know, he tells her about Pariah and she's like, well, yeah, no, that dude's weird, but you get a lot of that. And she talks about her dad's experience in, in World War II, where he fought in the Europe side of things. And there's a bridge uh, outside of Belgium that both sides were fighting over. And there was massive casualties on both sides. But uh, finally, the American side finds out that the the Germans were holding an area behind the bridge. And uh, they're, they're, they're able to take in the guys they were fighting at the bridge. When, he, when Sam Lane questions the other side's commander, he says, you know, no, we were we were told that the American offensive was right on the other side. So they were just fighting over nothing, which again is another piece of this Cold War. Um, throughout the rest of the book, we see Lex and his, you know, his machinations, and we see Batman starting to, you know, since since they didn't buy up Bruce Wayne's idea, he, you know, he talks to Lucius and they take it off book, because even though they had paid for this research and development he can still, you know, uh, Lucius, you know, is like, well, yeah, in, in a time of people writing history, off books is a pretty good place to be. Uh, so we get the seeds for Superman. We got the seeds for Green Lantern. Uh, and, and now there's uh, so a Batman, Superman, and Green Lantern. Um, Clark keeps going back and forth between the um, fortress where he's talking to his dad and really forming his worldview and his uh, interactions with everybody. Um, Lois is taking, you know, Bigger, dodgier stories. She ends up going down to the South where there's a lot of segregation stuff going on. Uh, it's the early 60s. Uh, and she meets with John Lewis uh, and learn, you know, learns about, like, she she asks him as they're in jail together because she got caught up in the protest about, like, do you think that people don't care enough about your struggle because they're distracted? And John Lewis brings up that 
well, no, before before we started doing the sit-ins, we went went out and ate this Chinese dinner because we didn't know when we'd be able to eat again. So we ate as much as we could, and now we have this memory of unity before, and it you know it's that distraction that was able to you know distract us now. So it's very important. So again, it's Mark Russell using this history, you know that you need the comics, you need the movies, you need music and all this other stuff in these times where everything feels like the worst because it's those distractions that will help you keep pushing forward. Um, uh, of course, Clark comes down to help Lois and he ends up creating a distraction um, with because they, they tell him, the police, that there's no Lois Lane there. There's no ladies in this jail, um, but he uses x-ray vision and sees her there. So he busts her out with the rest of the Freedom Riders and John Lewis. Um, it jumps forward another year on the Coast City Naval Base where, you know, Lex has built his bunkers and he says that they're going to test it out. Uh, so he was able to get through that crooked general, um, uh, an atomic bomb. And it looks like he's in the, the South Pacific. They're going to drop the bomb. And right as they get ready to... A bomb drops on Coast City. So the bomb that Lex said he was dropping you know, a thousand miles away actually drops on Coast City, killing Sam Lane and everyone around there because Lex is trying to kick off World War III between the Soviets so that his bunker that he's built, he can shape society now, which everyone's looking at him like he's a maniac. Dr. Silas Stone is there. He tries to speak out against Lex. Lex gives him a severance. Um, and... Yeah, we, we get um, Hal Jordan going over Coast City in his plane, ends up encountering Abin Sir. We see that. Uh, Alfred tells Bruce about Coast City's destruction. He goes down into the Batcave where now he has basically made the Batman gear. Um, and Superman finally puts on the suit that, you know, he feels he's ready for as he's, you know, lived in the world and he's, you know, learned to use his X-ray vision and, and heat vision and all of his powers. Uh, and they go to take him Lex. And so Batman ends up showing up there with Superman because Lex wants to drop the second bomb in Metropolis because um, the United States ends up not retaliating. So Lex like, well, we have to force their hand um, to make it look like a second, you know, a bigger deal. Um, but Batman and Superman show up, which then, you know, leads to um, the United States... Um, end up being hopeful because Superman had stopped this, all of this stuff from happening. He, you know, but just his presence there. Um, and it ends with Wonder Woman coming out at the United Nations um, and Bruce Wayne paying for a Hall of Justice and them uniting in the, the Hall of Justice. And that's the end of book one. Um, very, very, very long book. I wasn't expecting all 80 pages to be packed, even though I should have because it's Mark Russell. That's kind of what he does. Um, but I, I definitely recommend reading it. It's I feel like it is going to act as a companion to The New Frontier in that it's playing with real-world you know, real world events to show why, not why superheroes are important, but, you know, why these archetypes persist. And there, there's a part where Superman's rounding up the missiles that, you know, the, the U.S. and the Soviet are launching each other and that's why there's been no retaliation because Superman's going through and stopping them. That's the part I kind of skipped over. Um, and he hides them all up on the moon. But, you know, he talks about that sometimes this 
era is called the space age. Other times it's called the nuclear age. He wanted to do his best to make it the space age, you know, because he wanted to kind of be his own deterrent. And, and yeah, again, super well-written. Mark Russell really knows how to, how to do these type of, he has socially charged, not even socially charged, but these charged stories where they're playing with real life stuff. Uh, and then the all red art just fits perfectly. Like these dark lines, each of the heroes looks, you know, like that era. So like the Batman, you know, his 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 cape and his cowl and and his suit look piecemeal. It doesn't look like a full solid mm. full piece because it's all based off of the soldier stuff. And you know, when Green Lantern shows up, it, it looks like that era. So um it it teases for volume two whenever that comes out. We're gonna have Flash there, um, so yeah, it just feels like this is a a Silver Age, you know, smorgasbord, and how that relates, and if this, you know, what the end of the Earth in '85 means is that is that the crisis, right? Is this the thing that that ends this era, right? Is this a meta story in that way, or or what? Yeah, so I mean, but the... both, I suppose, because it's meta yeah. in the sense that that is kind of like. You know, where we transition to this other right. era. But also, right. in a non-meta way, if you take it literally, it's like, well, mm-hmm. all these other universes got destroyed in Crisis and Infinite Earths, and they made right. one true Earth, right? So, right. technically, this Holds Earth will, will die, you know? Right. And that's it. Despite Superman's best efforts, where he's trying his best, but at the end of the day, he just has to know that he did enough. And that message right there, it really, really spoke to me, because that is, that is a Supermanism, Right. Uh, and enough that you know, do what you can. But the important thing is, is that you did, you know, not not necessarily the outcome. It's the effort that you put in. But, you know, it's really good stuff. So I'm gonna give it an eight. All right, cool. Uh, but there you go. That is uh, that is the final book of the week, which will take us out at the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff. Uh, we do our favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books of the week. Uh, so. We'll start off with panel slash moment, Matt. What do you have? So there's a lot of them in, in the space age, but um, the one that really got me was was in the action backup when, when the super family gets called in. And I just I like the way that that page was set up and you know each of the each of the heroes showing up in their own panel and then seeing Keenan show up, like, come on. So that's gonna be my moment. Sure. Uh I think for me, uh, there's a good chance it's probably just the final page of Swamp Thing, I think. That's really good, too. Uh, oh, that's it. There's a lot of good moments in One Dark Night. But I, I think I'll go with the end of Swamp Thing and Trinity showing up as kind of the, the game changer. Um, all right. Uh, cover of the week, Matt. What do you have? So I got, there's a Robin variant. I'm trying to see who did it, but it's done in the 66 style. All right. Um, okay. And it's really cool. Yeah, it's the Dan Sh- uh, Shoning, Robin sixty six. Which, and then when I looked up Lord Deathman, I found out that's the year he debuted. So there's a fun little tie-in where there's a sixty six. But yeah, it's got these bright colors. It's that pop art style from like the Batman sixty six show. Um, but but yeah, it's a lot of flat lines there, Ravagers there. Um, it's just it's a lot of fun. I like it a lot. Cool. Uh, 
All right, a couple to shout out. Uh, there's a Behermal variant of Detective, so you know what you get into with that. Yep. But it's, it's very nice. There's, there's like a swarm of bats making the bat logo in the sun because it's like the early morning. It's just it's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give another shout out to the variant for Superman Space Age. I didn't read it, but you did. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which it's one? The, it's the Nick Darrington cover, which is Superman in space, just kind of looking Oof. over his shoulder. Yeah, that looks nice. Yeah, that's good. But my victor for the week is the variant to One Dark Knight, which is the croc from behind going through the mist towards Batman. It is a very nice cover. It's a Bill right. uh, Sinkovich uh, cover. Uh, Sinkovich. Sinkovich. Yeah. Sinkovich. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is. Holy sh... That, that is phone wallpaper material. Yeah. That, that's my uh, cover of the week. Uh, not surprising to anyone who's seen it, probably, but... Uh, very, very pretty. All right, what's your art of the week, Matt? Oh, Mike Perkins Swamp Thing. Uh, shouts to to All Red for Space Age and um, Albuquerque for tech. But Perkins, I feel, this is the best work, you know, among it anyways. Yeah, it probably would have been Perkins for me, but there's a jock book out this week <laughs> yeah. that is, uh, like, chock-a-block. Yeah. Uh, Understand- understandable. So that's my pick. All right, what's your top five of the week, Matt? All right, so uh, number one is going to be Swamp Thing, two is Action Comics, three is Space Age, four is Tech, and five is Robin. Yeah, I think my number one is Swamp Thing, number two is One Dark Knight, uh, number three is uh, Detective, I think, number four, Action, and then number five, Robin? Yeah, yeah, maybe Robin above action. I don't know, uh, but something like that. Uh, so there you go. That is a uh, that is our picks of the week. I'll tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. If I can find the tab, there it is. Uh, so coming up next week from DC, we have Batman One Two Six. We have mm-hmm. Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths issue three. That's right. They changed the title of the event after two issues to be weird. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably still just refer to it as Dark Crisis to be honest, but yeah, because like yeah. I mean, no. we, we call it Crisis Crisis, right? Yeah. We never use the full title. So, uh, DC vs. Vampires issue 8. We got Flashpoint Beyond issue 4. Oh, I can't wait to see what what we get into with that issue next week. I, I'm I'm hoping for, for just complete, complete insanity. Yeah. Uh, we got Batman Killing Time issue 6, so that's wrapping up next week. And uh, we got Poison Ivy issue 3, Harley Quinn issue 18. We have Batman White Knight Presents Red Hood issue 1. We got Batman Beyond Neo Year issue 5. Aquaman Andromeda issue 2. Oh, yes. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'll also say about this, this is uh, the new champion of Shazam issue 1, which is the uh, the the Mary Mary Marvel becoming the, the lead Shazam character in yeah. the series. So I'm excited with, for that. With Doc Shaner art. Who's perfect Jersey for... Campbell yeah. uh, writing. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sword of Azrael for all six Azrael fans uh, is coming out. We <laughs> yeah, have... Connor. <laughs> we got Multiversity Teen Justice issue 3. Uh, Sword of Azrael, Dark Knight of the Soul, issue one. So that is a one-shot done by the same team of Sword of Azrael. But okay. you would think... I don't know which one to read first, if I would read any. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll just not read any. That's fine with me. Yeah, there, uh, there you go. Uh, so then you also have Black Adam, Just Society Files, uh, Cyclone, issue one. Uh, and then Mad Magazine 27 so as well. But yeah, so awesome. I'm excited for Ackman Andromeda and Shazam, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of high up on my list. And then, of course, uh, Dark Crisis I've been enjoying. So, yeah. 
Oh, uh, we got the last issue of Killing Time, which after the the penultimate issue and that reveal, I'm very excited to see where that yeah. goes. Yeah, I won't reveal who so, it is, but there was a reveal for who the villain yeah. was in the book, and it was kind of a cool moment. Uh, yep. Just, just in case very you skipped cool. over the review because you're you're saving it for later you know, or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm very excited to see where this goes. See if if King sticks the landing, and we know the art will at least be top notch. The oh, sure. is. But yeah, and then I got Ivy as well, so uh, which I'm excited for. Yeah, so I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Four dice. Um, you can support us over at patreon.com slash TV and get some bonuses. Uh, specific to this show, you get the show uh, when it's ready sometime on a Saturday night on early access uh, rather than the usual time on the Sunday, if that's of interest. Uh, of course, you can check out a bunch of things, though. You can go to DC, at DC Comics Podcast if you want to get our Twitter. Uh, of course, uh, we have a Discord. There'll be a link for that in the description. Uh, there's a subreddit, there's all these things. Um, you know, go and spread the good word and rate the show highly on podcast apps. Uh, iTunes especially it seems to be helpful if you rate them high on there. Mm-hmm. So go, go and do any and all of those things. Uh, all of it does help, and we appreciate it all. Uh, so... Uh, cool stuff, but yeah, that is uh, episode three sixteen uh, of comics from the multiverse. Go trying on, to think of some other Stone Cold isms. Yeah, I, I can't could, think I, of any. I can see the smirk in your face. I, 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 <laughs> you really want to say some, but hey, you got one last chance. Thank you very much for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.